Hi, welcome hey. back to Flagged. Hello. This is episode eight. Eight, mm-hmm. right? This is episode eight, and this is also the second part to our college hometown series that we're doing. So uh, exciting. Last episode, episode seven, we talked about two cases from Temple University, like the North Philly area. Mm-hmm. And today we are going to talk about two cases from good old Pennsylvania State University, the <laughs> Pennsylvania State University. <laughs> I'm State excited. College. Yes. Um, so the way that this actually came about, this series in general, was Sarah was like, do you know what the Petit Library is? And I was like, yeah, it's like the library. I was like, I think when you texted me that, I was actually leaving the library. Mm-hmm. Um, or I had been there that night. And I was like, yeah, of course I know what the library is. It's the library on campus. And she was like, <laughs> did you know that someone was murdered there? And I was like, what? What? <laughs> and at first she freaked me out because I thought you meant like recently. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? No. But it's not. It's a case from 1969. And... She read very little about it. So going into it, she knows a little bit about this case, but immediately we were like, wait, 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 stop. We have to stop talking about it. And I feel like we do this a lot now where we're like, we like start talking about a case and like, whoa, we can't talk about this. We have to Mm -hmm. save it for the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I told her to stop looking at this case, stop the gas, and that I would do it on the podcast. And that's how this whole college hometowns thing Mm-hmm. came about so that's one of the two cases that we're going to talk about today and then i'm so excited to hear the rest of the story because i know like the wikipedia version of it which yeah. is so short so Apparently short yeah and then we you heard a little bit last week about the missing persons case that i'm going to cover today because sarah had weirdly found it on like a pennsylvania like missing persons database yeah. really weird really bizarre um but yeah so those are the two cases that we're going to be covering today and I'm really excited. I didn't think that I was going to find as much information as I did, um, especially on the first case. Um, It ended up being like four pages long. So like (laughs) buckle in because here we go. Perfect. Um, So yeah. Uh, Let's get, are we just going to get onto it? Let's just get into it. Let's just get right into it. Okay. Okay, So this is case number one. It's murder in the stacks. Okay. And this takes place at... The Pennsylvania State University in the. 1969. The mm-hmm. Pennsylvania what State University. What a good University. year. Good year, good place. 69. Landed on the moon. Oh, summer of 69, bro. <laughs> My dad Not- was born. Wow, really? I think yeah. mine was... Oh, I, don't, I can't do... Listen, we have learned <laughs> time... And time again, I can't do math, so I'm not gonna. I I don't know what year my dad was born. I think it was 69. He just turned your dad 55. If my dad is 52 and your dad is 55, he was not born in 1969. Oh my God, you're so <laughs> Fuck. She's no, so my dad smart, was 65. Guys. Wait. Oh, no, doesn't make. Wait. Doesn't make. Okay, continuing on. <laughs> Just forget. I'm not going to sit through you trying to do this math. I'm no. not going to sit through you trying to subtract three from something. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> so. My dad was born in 64. Wait, is that right? What? Did when you say dad- nine minus three is four? What? Oh. No, we're nine done. Nine minus three no, is it's five. Over. The Six, moment seven, is done. No, wait, it's 60. Nine minus three is five? No, but my dad was definitely not born in 66. 
well, I don't know how to help you there. One of us is wrong. But the simple fact is you just tried to say that nine minus five was three. <laughs> no, wait, that's right. No, it's not. It's four. <laughs> nine. <laughs> I, can we please be done this? Please, nine can we be done? Sarah, please, can five. we be done? Fuck. No, nine. She's doing it on her fingers, ladies and gentlemen. I'm watching her count this on her fingers. It's four. It's four. It's four. So are we okay now? I need, is this it settled? Is why, listen, this is why I need my friends to be in my math class next year because I haven't done math, Jessica, since senior year first semester. So that we're talking instead of it, that's more than a full year ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have not done math. Like, I just haven't done a math problem since then. And I just, I just don't know how to do it anymore. Temple University, folks, they're teaching them good up there. <laughs> Listen, bitch. If I could avoid that Here math at Penn State. Ed, oh, shut up. I am not a business major. Did I imply that you were a business major? A um, nerd. Um, what? <laughs> Can we move on, please? Yeah, holy shit. Thank you. All right, moving on. This case takes place at Penn State in 1969. I didn't even get past the first fucking bullet. Oh, my God. Betsy Aradzma. Stop. Betsy Aradzma. I think that's how you say her last name. There's two A's, so it kind of confuses me. It's like A-A, and I'm like... A-Aradzma. So, Betsy Aradzma like, you know, was the born. A-A-Ron. Shut up, Aaron. I yeah, I was gonna make that joke and then I decided against it because it was stupid. But you made it oh. un- for me, so. Oh. Oh. So okay. she was. Can you let me speak, please? Yeah. I'm having a seizure. Okay, yeah, me too. She was born in July 1947 to her parents Esther and Richard Arasma in mm-hmm. Holland, Michigan, and she was the second of four children. Um, She was an honors student in high school, and she completed her undergraduate education in art and English at the University of Michigan. Excuse me, T, we have an art major out here? Michigan. We have an art major out here. Shut up. Art majors, we love her. We We love her. her. We do love her. But we hate Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) How how do you go from... How do you go from... Can you let me speak? I'm saying I have everything against you right now. I don't know what you're talking about Michigan, though. Okay. Okay, Penn State and Temple are not real rivals. You are so irrelevant to us. It's not even funny. I just Penn State. (laughs) I'm so... You know what? I love that journey for you, and I just don't... Please, how did this turn into this? I knew that this was going to happen. Yeah, it happened really early on. I'm surprised, too. Anyway. Anyway, okay, continue on. So... She completes her undergrad at University of Michigan, Mm -hmm. and after graduating, she began her graduate studies here at Penn State. Cool. So, what I assume is her first semester as a graduate student, because she was 22 years old at the time, and that's usually the age that you are going into grad school. So, I'm assuming this is her first um, semester as a graduate student on November 28th, 1969, 22-year-old Betsy returned early from Thanksgiving break to do research for an English paper. So she gets back to campus a little early. There's not a lot of people on campus. It's Mm -hmm. not as busy as it would usually be. 
But her roommate was also back on campus early. So around 4 p.m. that afternoon, she and her roommate, Sharon, walked to the Petit Library on campus. Okay. So as soon as they got there, Sharon and Betsy went separate ways, with Betsy heading to the basement to the chief bibliographer's office. Um, Interesting. I don't know if that's a... I'm, that's probably not a thing anymore. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then between 4.45 and 4.55, she went to row 51 of the stacks on the second floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know what stacks were until, like, reading... It's just, like, where all the books are stored. Like, the bookshelves, but, like, there's no, like, tables or anything. It's really narrow, like, rows of bookshelves, basically. Um, so it's like a very secluded area. Yeah, it seems a little, it seems a little spooky, you know? It seems a little spooky. Like, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd want to be there alone. Yeah. You know? No, I would never. It reminds me, because, okay, listen, we talked about this the other day. Jessica has literally never seen Ghostbusters. I don't get that life. I'm sorry. It reminds me of the scene where they're in the basement and it's like a weird, like, library filing cabinet situation and there's like some bitch ass ghost roaming the, the, the stacks. It just reminds me of that. It reminds me of every scary movie ever that has to do with, like, a library. Also, like, in yeah. It, you know? Oh, my. It's exactly what I picture, dude. Yeah. Terrifying. Yes. That's one of the scariest mo- scenes of the whole movie, yeah, I think. Yeah. That's just spooky. No, it's like, absolutely scary. Wow, that's exactly what this is right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but it's, like, around five. It's, like, 4.45 on, like, okay. Sunday. Like, just, just like, kind of getting just dark Just got out. back from Thanksgiving break. Yeah. Yeah. One witness in that area of the library, like in the stacks, later claimed that he heard two people, a man and a woman, having a conversation in one of the rows near him. Mm-hmm. He claimed that they weren't raising their voices and there didn't really seem to be an argument going on. They were just having a conversation. Soon after, the witness claimed that he heard the sound of books falling and something hitting one of the metal bookshelves. <gasps> oh, God. Sometime after 5 p.m., a man walked out of the library and told the desk clerk, somebody better help that girl. And oh. then left. Weird. The clerk didn't know what that meant, so she just stayed put. And then <laughs> some witnesses... Just didn't feel like... <laughs> didn't feel the need to, like, check it out, you know? No, I mean, honestly, maybe he... I don't know why maybe she didn't it, like, do anything. I wonder if he said it, like, under his breath or something, or, like... No, like, he came up to her and said, like, oh. somebody better help that girl. But I'm sure, like, she probably, like, people probably ask for her help all the time. Like, oh, maybe, maybe she like, didn't think that he meant, she, like, yeah, that. like, oh, she needs help finding a book or, oh, she yeah. needs help, like, doing this. So that's true. It's not like someone's dying. <laughs> we <laughs> you should help know the them. context because uh, d- yeah. depending on how he, like, said it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the clerk didn't know what it meant. She stayed at her post and some mm-hmm. witnesses later claimed that it seemed to be two men leaving the library together and not just one. But only mm-hmm. one went up to her and said something. Okay. So I'm not sure if it was one or two men who walked out of the library together. Not sure. Okay. Soon after, fellow students found Betsy on the floor in the stacks. <gasps> it looked like she had fainted or had some kind of seizure. Mm-hmm. And so they tried to resuscitate her. And at 5.01 p.m., a call was placed to the campus hospital, the Rittner Health Center. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't, like, a health center anymore. Um, it's just an academic science building on campus called the Rittner Building. Okay. By 5.19, an ambulance had transported Betsy to the Rittner Health Center. And at the health center, 
a doctor discovered that Betsy had a stab wound that Mm. went through her right breast. Ah. The object severed her pulmonary artery and the right ventricle of her heart. Oh, my God. But there was very little blood. And because Betsy was wearing a red dress, the very small amount of blood that did appear wasn't noticeable, which is why no one suspected foul play until she got to the hospital. That's so weird. So the people that were trying to resuscitate her in the library thought that she had fainted or she had had some kind of seizure. Like, no one realized that. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. But wait, if you're stabbed in the heart, like, how do you not bleed more than just enough to be covered up by a red dress? Like, wouldn't you see... I'm, yeah, I, I'm not really Step sure through how the works. heart, bro. Like, that's, like, yeah. where your blood comes from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she just, she didn't bleed that much. Um, that's crazy. And she was pronounced dead shortly after arriving to the hospital. Oh, um, baby. They say that she probably died within five to ten minutes of being stabbed. Yeah. So she was probably dead by the time anyone found her. Mm-hmm. Um, she had no defensive wounds on her body or on her hands leading authorities to believe that the killer attacked her from behind or she knew her killer and didn't see the attack coming damn they found that maybe she might not even have needed to know him like maybe he just came up and was like hey can you help me and then yeah bam like uh, yeah so it wasn't it probably just wasn't something that she saw coming at Mm -hmm. all right They found that she had been stabbed with a hunting-style knife that created a one-inch-wide, three-inch-deep stab wound. Oh, three-inch deep. That's one-inch-wide, dude. That's that's painful. Yeah. Ow. So, they find out it's a stab wound, and the authorities get involved, obviously. Right. Because this isn't just some girl fainted or had a seizure Mm -hmm. this is okay somebody killed her in the library so like we should probably figure that out why is this clue again (laughs) (laughs) she was killed oh my god it was scarlet she was wearing a red dress (gasps) (laughs) it was scarlet in the library with the The knife knife. holy wow every episode clue dude it's just clue every time Every time. Me right. and Sarah literally FaceTimed for like an hour last week and played <laughs> More the Clue than app on our... We were on FaceTime for like three hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we played the Clue app like on our phone together and played Dude, Clue together. Dude, if y'all have played the Clue app, like get on that. Oh my play God, with it's your so friends. fun. What the fuck? Yeah, you can play with your friends. You can play online. This is not sponsored, <laughs> um, you but think- they can sponsor us if um, they want. Clue, if Hasbro? you want to sponsor me. Yeah, Hasbro, like please let me know. The Clue app? Sponsor <laughs> us. We will go to hell and back for you oh absolutely just <laughs> i mean i already every single day yeah i probably play like one round a day and i also like paid for the pack so that i get every board and every character ever oh my god <laughs> like i will sponsor us <laughs> that's just the things that you spend your money on like the apps that you spend your money on like stress me out <laughs> uh i don't like like, like your what? Visco full package, like $25 I filter. I do spend. Uh, okay, I'm a photographer, so you can, Okay, like, but you can, like, make your own filters in Lightroom. Well, you know what? I just really would like for you to let me live. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So. I just... The, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny that, like... All right, sorry. Ew. When authorities finally get involved, they go to the crime scheme. (laughs) (laughs) The crime scheme. 
It's like me picking out my new color palette. I'm like, this is my new like crime scheme. Get it like color sh- color Can scheme. You? Shut up. <laughs> okay, this is not ASMR. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> All right. That's what I hear my so, nightmares. All right. I hear when authorities nails on. Shut <laughs> up, please. I don't have coke nails. Stop. Um, I beg to please stop. Please Gosh. stop. Okay. Thank you. When authorities finally got involved, they went to the crime scene to find that a janitor had thoroughly cleaned the area. <gasps> No, destroying God, any that's potential stupid. evidence. That's stupid. Because oh my everyone God. thought that she just had a seizure. No one thought there was foul play. So a janitor went through and was like, "Oh, let me just mop up real quick." And it was that all makes cleaned. you want to die. Oh my According God. to one source, the janitor had even cleaned up urine found near the scene. Huh? So interesting tidbit. Don't know that leads to nothing. Okay. It's the only thing I found about that. But like, interesting. I mean. That could be a really interesting mo. Interesting choice. Peeing oh near my the, God. like marking your you, territory you, kind I mean, of I situation. Guess so. Or you like you got really scared that you did that. And you're like holy shit, and you just like piss your pants. <laughs> and then the only DNA left on the scene is your own piss. <laughs> oh, it's a pile of your piss. It's a pretty. It's a. It's a quick. Have you find. seen you on Netflix? No, but I almost watched it today. Piss is something that comes up in it, but that's okay. Oh, that's I, won't, I won't spoil strange, it. Strange, but okay. <laughs> So, at the time of Betsy's murder, an estimated 90 students were in the library, which is insane to think about as a current Penn State student, because, like, I go into the library uh-huh. and, like, I can't effing find a table, so. There's, like, 90 on a bad day, like. Dude, there's, like, 90. Never. <laughs> there are always more than that in the library. Yeah. Um, Police interviewed hundreds of men, and the search for Betsy's killer spread throughout campus and the town of State College very quickly. Um, the desk clerk also helped a sketch artist create a drawing of the oh. man who had spoken to her, Interesting. but it didn't lead to any suspects, but that drawing does come up in a little bit. So we will talk about it. Can I see it? Oh yeah. So let <gasps> me actually, I'm going to send you a picture right now. Can we post it on the Instagram? Yeah. We'll post it on the Instagram with the, um, post for this episode mm-hmm. and you guys can see for yourself what yes. this dude looks like. That's the one thing with the podcast is that I wish I could see, like, a picture of, like, all the things, you know? Yeah. That's what the Instagram's for. It's weird because the sketch, like, doesn't have eyes because I guess she couldn't huh? remember what his eyes looked like. They just, like, didn't put in eyes? It's, like, kind of just, like, incomplete. I can't tell if his eyes <laughs> I are, I like, wish they just put, or... like, googly eyes, you know? <laughs> okay, so... Hmm. 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 I'll let you continue. Oh, yeah. I have I, I think I know what you're thinking. Oh, yes, you do. I do know what you're thinking. Yep. <laughs> and we will get to that, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. So now I'm going to get to... I know a little bit about this case, and I literally think that's who I think it is. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I am going to go through three theories. Um, okay. Two of them I don't really believe in, and one of them I am dead set so okay i'll let you take that for what it is so we're gonna go through theory number one the boyfriend (laughs) boyfriend at the time of her death betsy was dating david wright a pre-med student at the penn state college of medicine in hershey so it's not the same campus Uh but some sources say that betsy chose penn state for her graduate degree because she was following david to the area because she wanted to be around him Ooh, which like we hate that for her 
mm-hmm. but like <laughs> whatever floats her boat that's why she ended up at penn state uh kind of not the greatest thing because she died there but it's okay mm-hmm. um Although they weren't engaged at the time of her death, Wright has said that he probably would have proposed to her during Christmas that year, which was less than <gasps> a month serious? after her death. So she died what? on November 28th and Christmas is December 25th. He said he probably would have proposed to her that Christmas. Wow, that's sad. Really sad. Um, David claims that the last time he saw Betsy was on the evening of November 27th, so the night before. Mm-hmm. After having a Thanksgiving dinner with a group of fellow students, David drove Betsy to the bus depot so she could go back to main campus and state college so she could work on her research. Mm-hmm. Of course, the boyfriend is everyone's first thought for a suspect. Right. Um, in like every case ever. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> David seemed genuinely shocked and upset when Betsy died and told others mm-hmm. that he often thought about the life that they could have had together. Aww. Really sad. Um, and he was in love with her. He said he was going to engage, like get engaged to her. Um, he was interrogated by police nonetheless. And after talking to them and providing a really solid alibi, he was cleared of any involvement in Betsy's okay. murder. Good. So it was not the boyfriend. Uh, David Wright is now like a kidney specialist, I think. He's or a oh. liver specialist, one of the two. And he is living it up. Good. Good for him. Glad he's, you know. Here is, along. we're going to go to theory number two. This is the exciting one. This is the one that I know you're waiting for, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing this one up. Just because whenever the name Ted Bundy is mentioned, I feel like something has to be said. (laughs) My skin is crawling. (laughs) Many amateur, like, internet sleuths think (laughs) that Ted Bundy might be responsible for Betsy's murder. Mm -hmm. And they cite the fact that he was attending Temple University in 1969 and and might have traveled to Penn State for a weekend that November. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that this is what ties our two schools Dude, together. <laughs> I know. Dude, Ted Bundy, fucking Temple alumni. Right up there with Bill Cosby. So I don't know if Chill out. He was time, only but... there for one semester. I know, but like I'll take it, you know? Oh, God. So <laughs> the only valid piece of information I see in this case against Ted Bundy mm-hmm. is that the sketch that i just sent you sarah dude looks like ted bundy that was my first fucking thought i mean maybe i'm just like putting that together because i want it to be but ted when bundy you so look bad, up but, like, when you look up i don't know if it's actually from the same year but i looked up ted bundy 1969 because that's the same year mm-hmm. and the first picture that came up looked just freaking like it oh wait i need to look it up Continue i'll look it up and now. send it to you look at the hair oh, dude oh oh my god wait 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 ho stop that oh my god jessica it's the same hair yeah you're kidding yeah but does he ever have glasses like that he might have put on glasses in some situations you never know dude and you know what Too same face shape too which really like yeah if you look at the main the main image that you see of him like i think it's his wiki image the mm-hmm. face shape is like uncanny. That is just bizarre. So, yeah. Hmm. So, so the sketch does look like Ted Bundy. I won't argue. It Loki does. I mean, it's kind of that. a broad sketch, but like. But like some pictures, strange. it's like the hair, especially, is like yeah. exactly the same. His face it's... shape, like the way his chin is, mm-hmm. is the same. So. 
Yes. So some mm-hmm. people think that it's Ted Bundy. Um, but also the thing but, is, like, the mo is not. Yes. The same. So we'll get into that. Also, like, I wrote down. Um, the sketch of the man who spoke to the library clerk does actually look a bit like Ted Bundy, but Ted Bundy sometimes doesn't even look like Ted Bundy, so who knows? Dude, <laughs> that's so true. He literally looks different. No, like, okay, so shout out Ted Bundy tapes, um, whatever, like, Confessions of a Killer, that mm-hmm. thing that came out on Netflix. We were going to talk about that anyway, but I guess we'll just bring that up now. But they show part, like, a part where it's all of his like mug shots and different pictures of him mm-hmm. throughout the years and he looks so different he keeps like cutting his hair and like yeah doing all this shit and so i don't know i feel like he was like a freaking shapeshifter dude oh, dude he's some he's like a skinwalker i don't oh i just can't oh my god <laughs> do you know like the okay never mind. i'm not gonna get into that but you're not no. supposed to say that word out loud but i just did so whatever can you knock on wood does that apply i don't know sure i just did i, <laughs> I hope i don't get murdered holy shit Anyway. You're not supposed to say it out loud. Okay. Well, no. whatever. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, we we wanted to talk about the t- Bundy tapes recently. Or like, uh, briefly. Sorry. Yeah. We wanted to talk like, about the Bundy tapes sure. briefly. Do we want to do that? I mean, yeah. Okay. I haven't watched them in, like, my, a while. Like, I watched it a while ago, so now they're not really fresh in my brain. But like, Just, so. like, as a whole. Like, mm-hmm. here's my take on, like, yeah. the internet was all up in arms. They were like, the Bundy tapes is, like, like idolizing ted bundy and like putting him on a pedestal and it's disrespectful to the victims because they're trying to paint him as this like charming guy Mm -hmm. and like i feel like everyone who said that didn't watch it yeah it's it's doesn't do that it okay they literally talk about that people thought he was charming but they also say how he's like disgusting and he was charming only so that he could like get his way and he was a like master manip- manipulator and like literally psychotic like, and the they whole the they whole introduction like, out. sorry okay they, well they don't really keep out the part that like he's fucking crazy and like they're not trying to you know persuade people that he was this like super hot guy that like everyone loved like he was a likable person because he was like psychotic and they they tell you that yeah he also the two journalists who like were there Mm -hmm. when they were recording the tapes yeah said that bundy reached out to them and they both were like this is the biggest opportunity of our lifetimes like we're gonna get ted bundy to confess all of his crimes to us and when they went and they would ask him questions about the crimes bundy just wanted to talk about himself the whole time he wanted to and they literally say this he wanted to give himself like a like a hollywood kind of like biography mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. wanted he wanted to give himself a highlight reel and they admit that they know yeah. that that was his goal when going to do the tapes and the whole time they were just trying to get the information that they wanted they wanted him to confess like, they wanted they him to confess and he wanted a, else. yeah and he wanted a bibliography about how great he was mm-hmm. so they tell you that right off the bat that he was trying to manipulate them they never ever try to say he was such a charming guy i can't believe he did this blah 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 blah. Yeah. he was so handsome to, like no the, the whole show is not like that no. and so i got like a little bit like up in arms when everyone was <laughs> like this is so disrespectful to the victims and, blah, blah, blah. and i was like, like how are you gonna know it's disrespectful if you don't watch it like i don't it's not gonna yeah. hurt 
who's it gonna hurt if you watch it like it's not like you don't have to love it you can say that you don't like it but at least like watch it and like understand before forming your opinion on it right so that was just our that was just our little hot take on the bundy tapes because i know i had texted sarah a few weeks ago i was like i feel like we should mention this on the podcast Mm -hmm. um so there you go so back to betsy erasma's case murder in the stacks the one article that I found says that Bundy, who we know that Ted Bundy didn't know who his father was, mm-hmm. and that was a big point of contention oh, yeah. in his yeah. life. Um, one article said he received information that his father was a professor at Bucknell. Really? Yeah. District Justice Clifford Yorks, who was a state college police sergeant at the time of Betsy's murder, was quoted saying... Bundy may have visited a major university in central Pennsylvania over Thanksgiving of 1969. That lines up exactly with with Betsy's case. Hmm. Creepy. Uh, yeah. He also said that when Bundy started confessing in Florida after the Chi Omega murders at FSU, Mm -hmm. that someone from Pennsylvania was sent to Florida to ask him specifically about this case. And nothing, really? yeah, nothing came of it as far as we know, which leads me to believe that it's not Bundy related. And plus, he might have lied about a lot of the shit he did. Like, he was known to lie a lot, so he could yeah. just say, like, yeah, that was me. And, like, it might still not have been him. Like, you don't, right. you don't really know. I also sort of debunked this theory a little bit for myself by looking oh. up exactly when Bundy was at Temple. Mm-hmm. So it turns out he was only an owl for one semester, and it was in yeah. the spring of 1969, not in oh, the fall when really? Betsy was killed. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. By then, in the fall, sources say that he was all the way back in Washington. Oh, shit. So, however, I mean, unless he went there early. Yeah. However, the district justice did say that Bundy may have visited a university in central Pennsylvania yeah. in Thanksgiving of 1969. Maybe he traveled back. After that tip, maybe we'll never know. But to me, this case just doesn't say Bundy. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not his M.O. He he didn't like stabbing. He liked, like, strangulation and things like that. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't really fit to me. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of crossed that one off my list, especially after you hear theory number three. Oh, shit. I'm so, I don't shit, know anything about this. I, I've not, this I know is nothing. wild. I'm this so to excited. me is wild. Um. So, by far, the number one theory and suspect behind Betsy's death is the alleged child molester Richard Hafner. Huh? What? Richard Hafner. Huh? (laughs) This guy is 50 shades of fucked up. He is a crazy dude. Bitch, what? Just crazy. He's okay, crazy. I'm confused. I'm confused. Richard Hafner was a geologist from Lancaster, PA. He's from Lancaster. He's got to okay. be insane. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lancaster people. That was my Funny grandma's from shit. Lancaster. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, sorry, Grandma. Anyway, he was described as odd by most people who met him and by some a sociopath. Oh, um, a good thing to have some people describe you as. <laughs> in 1960. And odd by most in general. It's just okay. <laughs> In 1969, so the same year as Betsy's Mm -hmm. murder, he was 25 and he was a doctoral student in geology at Penn State. (gasps) No, he was not. And he had also returned to campus early after that Thanksgiving break. Uh Uh-oh, sister. When police interviewed men, 
Hafner was someone that they spoke to. Mm-hmm. And he told investigators that he and Betsy had lived in the same dorm. No way. And had even gone on a few dates. Uh-oh. Big problem. And this confused me because if Betsy went to Penn State to follow her boyfriend, why was she going on dates with Richard Havener? Oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, my God. You're right. Or maybe, oh, maybe was this a situation crazy. where... Exactly. Was this a situation where Havener saw his relationship with Betsy as more yeah. than it was and yeah. she really only considered him a friend? She literally might have just, like, gone to the dining hall with him and he considers it a date. Like, yeah. I think he might just have the wrong idea. Yeah, and he might just be a little crazy, basically. Mm-hmm. And she's dead. So, she can't defend herself to, like, right. the stories that he's telling. So, right. it, you know. So, without getting into too many specifics, throughout his adult life, he had been accused of theft, child molestation. Some people Dude. think that he was involved in a huge robbery at some point in his life. How are like, these people allowed to go to Penn State? Like, what? I mean, I guess it was back in the day. Like, these days, that would never Oh, no. Me. You'll see how he's allowed to go. Just wait. What? You get there. Because the Supreme Court gets involved. <laughs> the Pennsylvania Excuse Supreme me, who? Court. Just wait. <laughs> oh my god, what the hell? Is in happening? 1975, six years after Betsy's murder, mm-hmm. he was arrested and charged with molesting two boys. Dude. He's charged, he's arrested. He ends up taking this case to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And his record was expunged and he couldn't be retried. So, I, it's complicated how it all goes down, but these charges are taken off his record. He can't be retried for it. It's not a thing anymore. And after that, he attempted to sue virtually everyone associated with the case. (laughs) Great. Perfect. So, that's fantastic. Sounds like quite the dick. Sounds like quite the dick. Yep. People also said that he was violent and he had weird tendencies when it came to women. He once hmm. traveled 800 miles to the doorstep of a woman he barely knew to proclaim his love for her. Oh, my God. She told oh him to God. leave or she would call the cops. <laughs> I mean, good. A true Romeo. Yep. <laughs> this dude just knows romance. <laughs> he hmm. knows it. Seems like a really fun guy. Yeah, no, I... Let's... Big I, romance I would guy. definitely want to go on a date with him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. On the day of Betsy's murder, he said he was eating dinner at the Hub Student Union when he found out what happened. This bitch is at the Hub. He didn't tell police this interesting piece of information, though. Hmm. 45 minutes after Betsy had been pronounced dead, Hafner showed up at the home of his professor and advisor, out of breath, saying, Have you heard a girl I dated was murdered at the library? Oh, no. The professor and his wife told some independent investigators that they got the distinct impression that Hafner might have been involved in the incident. However, the professor did not report this until seven years <gasps> later. You're kidding. He did not tell police that Hafner showed up to his house. Until seven years later. Guys, if you see weird shit, just fucking say something. Like, don't worry about being an asshole about it or, like, 
being weird or people thinking that you're crazy like just fucking say something who cares and i think what might have brought him to say something was seven years later was in like in the midst of his child molestation case so his name was in the papers and everything now the professor might have been like okay this dude is kind of crazy maybe it was if the professor said something then maybe he wouldn't have molested all those kids yeah which sucks i'm not gonna say that you know the professor is at fault but it's just one of those things it's just one of those things where one event like Mm -hmm. one tip can change the whole course of a case Police did see Hafner as a person of interest, but they never had anything more to go off of, and therefore the case went very cold. Hafner died of a heart attack in (gasps) 2002. Shut up! But the case doesn't end there. This is where it gets very strange and very weird. And, like, I don't exactly get what happens here, but, like, you'll see. Mm -hmm. In February of 2010... Author Derek, yep, 2010. We're talking about a case from 1969, people. In February of 2010, author Derek Sherwood was working on a book about this case and performing his own investigation of the case. So remember how I told you that there was a book about this? Uh Uh-huh. This gives me some vital information that I didn't know I would find. Interesting. So he even ran a website on the case and everything. He's, Mm -hmm. He's dedicated to this. He's been researching for years. So, in February of 2010, Chris Hafner responded to the Craigslist post of Sherwood, Sherwood's looking for any family members of Hafner. So, Chris Hafner replies and says that he recalls an incident in 1975, six years after Betsy's murder, just around the time of all these child molestation charges, and his uncle Rick had been... Yeah, so his uncle had just been charged with molestation, and Chris was with his Uncle Richard in what they called, like, the rock shop, which was just, like, the garage of his house where they, like, packaged rocks, because he was a geologist and he worked at a museum, and so they, like, like, Chris would, like, help his uncle package rocks to sell at the museum gift shop or something. I don't know, really weird. (laughs) But so, Chris was there with his uncle, and Richard's mother... I don't know how to say this first name. It's E-R-E, so, like, ear. (laughs) Ear. I-R. I don't know. She didn't see that Chris was in the room, and she came in and began screaming at Richard for getting in trouble again after all she had done for him to get him out of trouble. And then, in one of the most damning quotes I've ever (laughs) heard, she screams at him, You killed that girl. Now you're killing me. Are you gonna kill me too, Rick? What? What? I know. You're kidding. And so, this dude, February of 2010, this dude is reaching out to this author saying, my uncle got screamed at by his mama in 1975 who said that he killed a girl. Oh my god. What? So, so weird. you killed that girl, now you're killing me. Are you going to kill me too, Rick? What? What? Bruh. And she was yelling at him about getting in trouble after all she had done for him to get him out of trouble. Like, maybe he had come to her about, like, Betsy's murder and she had been like, okay, stay quiet, do this, do that. Like, yeah, she might have been the one that helped him get out of all those, like, charges and shit. Yeah. 
Wow, that's crazy. I need a thin mint. Hold on. Pause. <laughs> Pause. And... Hold on. We're waiting mm. for Sarah to eat her thin mints. This is not an ASMR podcast. Stop. Don't do this to them. Let me eat one more. Oh my god. I've had like five. Hold on. I'm not even enjoying them. I'm just like fucking <laughs> shoveling them down my face. Okay, ready? Yeah. So I think that's just about the most like damning quote oh I've ever God. heard. I just think that's absolutely insane. So moving from that, Lancaster Online wrote an article on Richard Hafner and his connection to this case in 2011. And when they reach out to Chris Hafner for comments and information, this is where it gets very weird to me. What the hell? Chris Hafner says that he has additional information that could implicate his uncle, as in like a final piece of the puzzle or mm-hmm. key evidence, like in his own Why quotes, wouldn't he just a final them? piece of the puzzle or key evidence. But he says he intends to keep it to himself. Oh my God! Why? Like he's dead already. Chris also says that he spent hours in his uncle's house after his death in 2002, and what he found was frightening. <gasps> Ew. Well, he's one, also like a child molester, so there's yeah. probably a lot of like weird child shit. One quote from Chris reads: "Rick had a demon in him, but it was innate. It was there, but it was not his fault." For this, he must be forgiven. For this, Betsy must now be forgotten. Oh. My God. Bro, I literally have, my bullet says, what the fuck does that mean, bro? Oh, my God. He brought up her name, like, well, I mean, they're talking about her case, but, like, so what does he think? He thinks that because his uncle had, like, a mental disorder that betsy like shouldn't be acknowledged at all like we have to forget about her he's saying that his uncle needs to be forgiven for the horrible things that he did and that betsy's case needs to be forgotten about it's not like his problem basically well it would be his problem if he like knew betsy or yeah. if he like had empathy <laughs> and if he can okay shut what the fuck if he can have empathy for his literal psychopath uncle i think he can have empathy for betsy yeah Oh, my God. And uh, that's pretty much the case. Dude. Uh, this so, November, basically, this guy, so Rick did it. Thanks, Rick. Oh, yeah. No. Absolutely. I believe Rick 100%. Is guilty. Sherwood, like Derek Sherwood, the author of the book about Betsy, says mm-hmm. that he is 95 to 99% sure that <laughs> Richard Hafner killed her. Yeah. This November will be the 50th anniversary of the murder no in the way. stacks. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this November is 50 years. That's Wait. insane. That doesn't make sense. Hmm? Wait. <laughs> Can we? Let's go back to... um. Wait a second. My dad wasn't born in 1969. <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> Jessica, Je- My Jessica. mom was born in 1969. My mom this was born in This is why you made me so confused. This is why you made me so confused. Okay, that's not what made you so confused. What made you so confused was trying to subtract three from nine. No, you made me confused. First of all, okay. 
I can't do this anymore. Or, no, I don't, I'm not doing this right now. My, my mom was born in 1969. Anyway, this November will be the 50th anniversary of the murder in the stacks. And Derek Sherwood, um, the author who wrote the book, says that he is 95 to 99% sure that Richard Hafner killed Betsy Erasma mm-hmm. in the Pat- Petit Library at the Pennsylvania State University <laughs> on November 28th, 1969. But with a botched crime scene and virtually no evidence, we don't know if Betsy's case will ever officially be solved. That's so sad. If you want to read further into this case, which I think I might do for myself because I know that Derek Sherwood did a lot of research on his own Mm -hmm. for years to write this book. So if you want to read further into the case, you can read Derek Sherwood's book, Who Killed Betsy? Uncovering Penn State University's Most Notorious Unsolved Crime. Damn, that's cool. Yeah. I might read it, actually. And you know Mm -hmm. what? You know where it is in the library? (laughs) The stacks. In the stacks. (laughs) Yes. You can literally find the book about the murder in the stacks in the stacks. (laughs) Perfect. So, what'd you think? I thought that was insane. I can't believe there's, like, all these suspects and ties and... Ted Bundy was in there. We just got a lot of content in there. Literally, okay, so can we pause? Because I was just bored and I looked up Penn State murders and she came up and her Wikipedia, I swear to God, is four sentences long. And we just talked for like 40 minutes about her. So I thought there was no information about her. Like she just got stabbed and that's it. So I sent it to Jessica like, hey, look, thinking I'm never going to do a story about it. God damn it. Kind of wish I researched it and told you the story because it would have been cooler if I told you this story. But a I little like bit. Right I now. also would have been like freaked out, like, oh my god, that happened on my campus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I like this format. Yeah, no, I like this little I like this little series that mm-hmm. we're doing. It's fun. Me too. But yeah, so that is act I think that might be one of my favorite cases we've done so far, just because yeah. one it hits close to home, I'm in that library like three times <laughs> a week at least. Um yeah. and two, it's just it's strange twists and it's turns so bizarre unsolved almost 60 years later but people think they have it solved for themselves some slight ties to ted bundy it's really just it's a roller coaster hmm. that is bizarre bizarre so now let's get into case number two okay do we need a palate cleanser do we need to have like a fun conversation to cleanse um, our palates yeah first of all i'm gonna go ahead and eat a thin mint so and i'm gonna eat a heard. s'mores cookie yeah, so we're just going to be eating. Welcome to our eating podcast. Welcome to our mukbang podcast. No, actually, wait. Is it a Girl Scout cookie? Yeah. Look at us go. Support what kind? local Girl Scouts. Hmm? What baker? Look at the box. What baker? What baker mean? makes the cookies? There are two different bakers of Girl Scout cookies. Are you It'll be on the side. ABC? Uh, that's the good one. Okay. Wait, the one that does the, um, what are they called? Caramel Delights or Samoas? Caramel Delights. Samoas. No, Caramel Delights. Does ABC do Caramel Delights or Samoas? They do Samoas, I think. ABC verse. The other one is Little Brownie Bakers. For all of the listeners, let me just, you know give you the the rundown on girl scout cookies if you don't know mm-hmm. girl scout cookies there are two bakers of girl scout cookies there's abc bakers and little brownie bakers 
and depending on where you live in the country is like where like what manufacturer makes the girl scout cookies or like honestly like i've gotten both different bakers so like Mm -hmm. whatever but like caramel delights and samoas are the same cookie but made by two different bakers so they're not exactly the same and then thin mints if you've ever thought like this thin mint is like not how i thought it was it's because it was a different baker than you thought it was thin mints are like slightly different between the two bakers and you can notice it like if you were to take one thin mint from one and one thin mint from the other you'd be like they are I've not never the same. Done that. i didn't even know there were two bakers i yeah and then s'mores girl scout cookies are two completely different cookies depending on what baker you get them what? from so i'm holding a s'mores girl scout cookie right now it's just like basically just like a chocolate covered graham cracker and it's really good it's one of my favorite girl scout cookies no what it's just a chocolate-covered graham cracker, basically. Oh. But th- I think this is ABC Bakers. Mm-hmm. But little... B- or maybe this is Little Brownie Bakers. Whatever. The other company's s'mores is, like, marshmallow shit and chocolate <gasps> shit in between two, like, vanilla-ish cookies. And it's it so tastes it's like, like cardboard. It's it's terrible. Oh. Oh, really? This is so much better. What? And they're both s'mores Girl Scout cookies, but they're completely different cookies. Oh. Okay, I literally never knew that. And that's a story behind the two bakers of Girl Scout cookies. I wonder why there's two different ones. I would love to know. I wonder. Maybe it's some, like, drama between them. There's tea. Mm-hmm. It's so that there's not a monopoly of Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so there was our palate cleanser. <laughs> mm-hmm. Girl Scout cookies. On Girl Scout cookies. Go support your local Girl Scout. <laughs> I'm going to try to cut out all the times where I'm chewing directly into the microphone. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> um, But yeah. We are going to get into case number dose. I'm case so ready. Two, a, missing a missing person. It's the oh first time God. we've done a missing person in a long time. Dude, I literally love missing person. Okay, next episode, like, I'm going to bring you in a missing person's case. Yes, they. Try. it seems to be our listeners favorites it's our they're most favorite. listened to episodes mm-hmm. are missing persons cases so we're gonna do another they're one so fun everyone loves a conspiracy yeah i've had multiple people tell us tell me that we should do conspiracies on here and i think a missing person's the closest like we'd get to that yeah maybe we'll do a conspiracy one. Oh my god can i talk maybe. about jfk oh no i take too long no i could talk about jfk for so let's we're dude we're we'd have to right now we'd have to do so much research like that's something you can't like half-ass a jfk like, no you cannot half-ass like JFK. i'm about to spend like weeks so case number two is the disappearance of cindy song mm-hmm. cindy song was born february 25th oh we're recording this on february 21st it's almost cindy's birthday february 25th is robin's birthday hmm. shout out to robin hey happy birthday she was born on February 25th, 1980, in South Korea. Okay. In 1995, she moved to Virginia to live with her aunt and uncle and go to high school in America. Mm-hmm. After graduating, she headed for... Where'd she head for? PSU. The Pennsylvania State University. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. Flash forward four years. Cindy is a senior. It's 2001. And guess what holiday it is? Thanksgiving? Go a little earlier. 
Halloween? Halloween. It is Halloween night of oh. 2001. Cindy is now a senior and she's set to graduate in the spring. And she heads out to a costume party at Players Night Club in downtown State College mm-hmm. with two friends, Stacy Pack and Lisa Kim. Okay. Cindy was dressed as a Playboy bunny, wearing mm-hmm. a white tennis skirt, a pink t-shirt with a bunny logo, brown knee-high boots, and a red hooded parka. None of those colors go together, Cindy. Honestly, <laughs> I was just thinking about that idea, and I was like, that is not a good look for you, honey. Like, please, <laughs> fix that. But maybe she looked cute. We'll trust that I she mean, looked cute. It's like 2001, right? It's 2001. The times were different. I feel like you could get away with like absolutely anything, but I looked at she's actually going. Actually, Tisdale could get away with oh. her red carpet looks. Oh Cindy can get away with this Playboy bunny costume. So the friends partied until 2 a.m., and then they headed to a friend's apartment to play video games. <laughs> what an end to the night. What an end to the night. Was Mario Kart a thing at this time? I don't think I don't think it was. No. They must have had some old-ass video games, like PlayStation shit. Like Atari type shit? I don't know how old. Maybe that's a little too old. I I don't have a good... I don't know. What what even happened in 2000? Like, what did we 2001. I turned one. Yeah, but... Same. Also, (laughs) 9-11. I was literally gonna say it. This is literally only like a Wait, month after 9-11. Yeah, that's kind of scary world to live in. And like, she's she's an international student. Oh, that's spooky. Like right after 9-11. That's scary. So they headed to a friend's apartment around 2 a.m. And then at 4 a.m., they dropped off Cindy at her apartment, watched her walk towards her apartment, and they never saw her again. <gasps> what okay this is why you need to watch your friends like go in their apartment wait 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 wait. so did they they watched her walk towards the apartment but just Mm -hmm. wait so song was a busy student she had two part-time jobs she was a senior so it was uncommon for her friends to not see each other for a few days at a time and this isn't in the age where it's like texting all the time and like yeah that's social media and snapchat and all these things like if i didn't get a snapchat from you once a day i'd be like where's this bitch okay (laughs) she did but in 2001 it was a very different time yeah that's true so it was common for them to not see each other for a few days at a time then when cindy didn't show up to one of her jobs and her friends couldn't reach her at all they began to get worried Ooh, that's not good. Three days after she was dropped off at her apartment at the Hall- after the Halloween party, they called the police. So it's been wow. three days since wow. anyone last saw her. That's crazy. So when police search her apartment, they see no signs of struggle or forced entry. Mm-hmm. Her fake eyelashes she'd worn on Halloween night were in the bathroom. So she made it into her apartment that night oh, wow. after her friends dropped her off. Mm-hmm. Her keys purse credit cards and driver's license were missing but her phone was left in the apartment weird phone records showed that she hadn't made or received any calls since she was dropped off in the early morning of november 1st hmm. wait was she still in her outfit when she left yes then? her outfit hmm. wasn't in the house so it looked like she had come home taken off her fake eyelashes because that's the first thing you want to do mm. when you get oh, home absolutely. oh absolutely it's like put down her fake phone. lashes and bra <laughs> yeah put down her phone and police speculate that she decided to go to a nearby 24-hour convenience store but wasn't she drinking 
Yeah. So honestly, and she drove. She was no, no, no. She she walked, but her keys are gone. She it just it might have like her like apartment oh, key on it, okay. so she took it okay, with okay, her. Okay, okay. Um. But yeah, so she walked. I mean, if you're drunk and you like really want something, and like there's a 24 hour store, like it's not a huge gonna, deal. You're gonna walk there. Mm-hmm. So not planning to be gone long, that's probably why she left her phone behind. Oh, okay. This, Plus, Penn State's not a scary place, like... Usually. But yeah. this might have been a fatal mistake. Holy shit. When police read her diary, they found that she had experimented with ecstasy and marijuana, but her friends insisted that they were just normal college experiences and drugs were not the reason for her disappearance, and it seems as though investigators yeah. agreed. So they striked that yeah. off pretty early. Even though they found evidence that she was doing drugs, it wasn't. It did had no factor. Mm-hmm. Then, the focus shifted to Cindy's mental health. Okay. Cindy had been living with her boyfriend until they had a really bad breakup about a month before her disappearance. Yikes. Her family and some investigators thought she might have taken her own life or run off. What? But her friend said she was going to therapy, she was taking medication, and she was generally in high spirits that night when they dropped her off. So why would she, yeah, I don't think it makes sense that she would run away that night. That doesn't make sense Yeah, to me. and her friends even said that she wasn't the type of person to up and leave without adding, letting anybody yeah. know. That would be weird. So on top of her friends' accounts of her mental health, there were some clues in her apartment that she wasn't planning on leaving anytime soon. She mm-hmm. had Britney Spears tickets for the next week. <laughs> you, It is so 2001, it hurts. <laughs> she had Britney Spears tickets, and she had a receipt for a computer that was supposed to be delivered to an apartment in a few days. Okay, yeah, so it makes no sense. So she was buying things for the future. She was not planning on leaving. Right. The main scenario investigators and others thought of was that someone happened upon Cindy while she was walking alone in the middle of the night, drunk Aww. and alone, and took advantage of her, likely killing her. Holy shit, maybe they, like, offered her a ride or something. Probably. Or just, like, found her and took her. I don't even know. Also, she's dressed in a Playboy bunny costume. (laughs) Yeah. You never know. So, Song's family flies in from Seoul, South Korea. Wow. And they quickly got on investigators' bad side. No way. Oh, bad side? Mm-hmm. They were allowed into her apartment, and to the grievance of the police, they cleaned up. Fuck! Destroying dude. evidence in the process. Her family did Common that? Common theme today. Yep. Oh my god, I'm so annoyed right now. Oh my god, can and anyone listening, like, goddamn, if I get murdered, just don't touch my shit, please. Just, like, leave it. <laughs> oh my god. I need to make an if I get murdered or if I go missing file case like crime junkie podcast tells you to make a file like in your phone or like whatever like a physical copy of like all your passwords to like your find my iphone and like your job schedule and you know things that you'd that people would need to find you if you go missing i need to make that just in case you never fucking know her family after destroying all the evidence in the case forms a coalition group to aid in the search and on january 31st of 2002 so about three months after her disappearance oh my god cindy's family harshly criticized the police department for not doing enough for the case no way they compared the case to a 13 year old girl who disappeared on new year's day of 2002 so about a month beforehand Mm -hmm. saying that she had a whole 50 fbi agents on her case 
while Cindy's case had just one investigator. That's okay. So I feel like because the girl was a minor and she went missing, that's kind of different. But plus this was like a college student that went missing on like Halloween night. So, I mean, I don't know which one also deserves the, more. Think about like, like the time and the racial bias that might have been involved. Cindy was yeah. an international student. Right. So, after being pressured by multiple Penn State advocacy groups, Cindy's team was up to a team of six state police. Okay, that's good. In what seemed like a bit of revenge or retaliation, the police basically cut off the Song family, quote, for Cindy's sake. Okay, that's kind of weird, but okay. Kind of weird. Here's where we get into leads. All right. One lead that came about, very strange, not too long, but... It was from a woman in Philadelphia. I couldn't find when this lead takes place. I'm pretty sure it's like pretty soon after she goes missing. But this woman claimed to have seen a woman matching Song's appearance in Chinatown in Philadelphia over three hours from Penn State. Yeah. This is where it's weird. She said the woman was yelling for help as a man attempted to force her into a vehicle. What? When the witness attempted to help, she was chased off by the man, and he told her to mind her own business. <gasps> oh, no. Is this some, like, human trafficking type shit? I don't know. She was all... Uh, that's... It... For me, it comes back to that a little bit because of, like, it was Halloween night. She was walking by herself. She was in a Playboy mm-hmm. bunny costume. Like, somebody might have picked her up. Human trafficking could be a thing that happens, especially on a college campus. But... Yeah. Police were already skeptical because of the distance from Penn State. It was all the way in Philly. Yeah, that's a little bit weird. But the witness also proved to be unreliable, and she changed her story multiple times. Oh, really? So this was like a dead-end lead. It didn't lead anywhere. They didn't get anything from it. And, yeah, that's about it for that lead. That's weird. Okay. Okay. So, flash forward. We are now in 2003, And the biggest breakthrough in this case comes. Ooh, okay. A police informant claimed that career criminal Hugo Selensky murdered Song, along with the help of Michael Kurkowski, a pharmacist who ran an illegal drug ring. Weird. So, this is, this gets crazy and it brings in some serial killer shit and get ready. So, the informant claimed that the pair saw Song walking in her costume, mistook her for a prostitute, and took her back to Selensky's place where she was imprisoned in a vault. Assaulted, in a vault? In a vault. Assaulted numerous times over the course of a few days and left to die. <gasps> oh, no. Police swarmed on Selensky's house and made a really terrible discovery. Uh-oh. The charred remains of at least five bodies. What? This tip just led police to a serial killer with a <gasps> mass graveyard. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So by the time Selensky's yard was properly excavated, the number of bodies had risen to 12. <gasps> this dude was crazy. Holy shit. Where, where did he live? His property is just north of Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. Is that close to Penn State? It's like two hours away. Oh, okay. But you never know. He might have... Wow, that's crazy. ...driven her all the way back. So anyway, this tip just led them to a serial killer, 12 bodies, absolutely insane. 
So the informant said that Michael Kurkowski and Hugo Selensky murdered Song. Mm-hmm. Well, Hugo Selensky killed Michael Kurkowski and his girlfriend, oh. Tammy. Shit. Um, so their remains were found among those 12 remains. Oh, my God. And Selensky's lawyers refuted that he had no, like, they said that he had no knowledge of Cindy Song and mm. provided witness statements that he was hundreds of miles from the assumed site of Song's abduction. And his alibi seemed, like, watertight. And Damn. so this is where the informant's story kind of falls apart because the informant is someone who's involved in the case. His name is Paul Weekly. Um, I'm not sure exactly how he's involved, but I know he has something to do with it. And he was kind of trying to, like, lessen his charges by, yeah. like, giving the police more information. Mm-hmm. So he quickly claimed that Selensky murdered Kurkowski and his girlfriend because he had kept Song's bunny ears as a souvenir of the murdered, <gasps> of, of the murder, which really pissed off Selensky. Holy shit. It soon became apparent that the killing was motivated by money. So Kurkowski had $60,000 mm-hmm. hidden in his house. And then Shit. Weekly later admitted to participating in the murders of Kurkowski and his girlfriend, Uh-oh. disclosing that he had also received a cut of the money for That's telling Selensky that Kurkowski had the money. Mm-hmm. So now they turn towards Paul Weekly because his story is falling apart. He was the informant on this. And now they're like, okay, well, what the hell? A search of his computer found that he had downloaded numerous articles about Cindy. Hmm. And police reasoned that he might have been studying the details of her murder in order to offer false evidence to the police in exchange for a reduced sentence. Mm -hmm. A more chilling theory that they came up with was that maybe Weekly killed Song, kept press clippings as a souvenir, and used his knowledge of Selensky's mass graveyard as a convenient red herring for his own murder. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's really kind of smart, but seems a little bit risky. Yeah. So, Weekly is serving a life sentence for the other murders that he committed with Selensky, and he faced the death penalty. He had so many reasons to lie about Song's disappearance, and without any evidence, his involvement is discounted, basically. Mm-hmm. So, Paul Weekly and Hugo Selensky are both serving life sentences for unrelated murders, and everyone close to Song at, like, the time of her disappearance has been ruled out as a suspect. The sighting in Philly was discounted. The suggestions that she took her life was discounted. And there's not really any media on the case anymore. Yeah. There's no body, no physical evidence, no witnesses, and there's not even any active suspects. So that's pretty much the case of Cindy's song. It went really cold. Wow. They thought they might have had something really. I mean, you know, they did next bust level like there. a serial killer in the They meantime. did bust a serial killer based on a tip involving mm-hmm. her case, but they don't think that he was actually related to her at all. Wow. These are some freaking weird cases. Penn State is yeah. like unsolved. Wow. <laughs> These are like the only ones that there. There's like two yeah. more that were somewhat interesting, but there's still a $27,000 reward for Cindy's case. No way. Yep, that's It was also on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Was it? Yeah. Very interesting. I don't know. I think it's I think it's worse to never find the body. 
if like let's say someone that I knew went missing like I'd rather have their body and not know what happened to them than never find them ever yeah like the closure of knowing that at least they're like like maybe somewhere better mm-hmm. I don't know what you believe I don't know what I even believe in within like heaven and shit like that but like mm-hmm. like knowing that they're like not suffering in the moment is better than like thinking okay they could be either like tortured right now or like dead in a ditch like you have no idea mm-hmm. which is so hard I me and my mom talk about that she said like if like someone in her family went missing she'd rather just like find them than mm-hmm. have no idea oh I did leave out one part sorry so in 2003 was when all of that went down with Hugo Selensky. In 2014, authorities announced that the badly destroyed remains of at least seven other people were found on Selensky's property. So this Are you dude, serious? this dude is yeah. They looked into the possibility that one of the remains belongs to Cindy. Mhm. And he was convicted of the murders of Krakowski and his girlfriend in 2015. He was sentenced to life in prison. He's still considered, like, a person of interest in Cindy's case, mm-hmm. but her body's never been found, okay. and there's nothing actually tying him. It's all circumstantial. But, yeah, so we don't know if Hugo Selensky had anything to do with Cindy. He was a serial killer within, like, two hours of where Cindy went missing, so you never know. But wow. other than that, Cindy's song has not been seen since Halloween night of 2001. So, if you have any information or someone you know has any information about Cindy Song, who went missing from State College in on Halloween night of 2001, you can submit an anonymous tip through a form on the Ferguson Police uh, website. It's www.twp.ferguson.pa.us slash anonymous dash tip. And you can submit a tip there if you have any information sounds good so yeah that's the case of cindy song missing persons and those are both of my cases i really like them happy college hometown yeah yours are longer mine were like kind of short and to the point because there's legit so much crime in philly that like (laughs) there's not like ones that stand out and i had just done gary heidnick and like i found a case actually that's i forget what his name was but he was like exactly like gary heidnick except he was black and so there was Mm. way less reporting about him um because he was a black criminal and people don't take them as seriously i guess like i know there's entire podcasts dedicated to just black criminals i yeah which is interesting i too yeah and so because gary heidnick and him were operating at the legit same exact time in philly like like blocks apart from each other there's like less reporting plus he he killed more people than heidnik did but so he's an actual serial killer <laughs> yeah i guess so I like but i didn't know about him until after because he's not reported on as much as gary heidnik was but anyway yeah it's it was harder to find cases in temple because or like around temple because right. there's so many like little ones that they're not, like, insane, like, Penn State missing people kind of thing. Gotcha. But, yeah, I really like the Penn State stories. They're crazy. Thank you. I'm so yeah. glad that you liked them. I mm-hmm. I really didn't think – I thought that Cindy Song's case was going to end up being super in-depth, but it really wasn't. There's mm-hmm. just not much to go off of in there. And when yeah. I originally read Betsy Erasmus' case, I was like, 
it's so cold. There's nothing there. But like, yeah, there's a lot there. Like there's a lot more information that I thought was going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really fun to look up, especially because it's, it's interesting because it's the library that I go to, but it was also in a different time. 1969 was a very different time for the Pennsylvania State University. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting. Dang. I really like them. Yeah, it's most it's cool for it's cool to look up stories about where you're from because it's like oh shit like I've been there before like I yeah. go there often. Also kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, kind of horrible, but <laughs> makes yeah. me scared to go in the stacks. I wonder if we have a ghost in the stacks now. Dude, you definitely do. We you definitely do. She definitely mm-hmm. roams the stacks. Oh, for sure. Dude, on like the fiftieth anniversary. Oh hell! Say the hell out of the library. No, you should just come here for the fiftieth anniversary, and you and I will go to the stacks together um what like do a seance have like a ouija board no i'm so scared oh we'll, re- scared. we'll record in the stacks no oh fuck dude oh all of God. our audio is gonna get corrupted and be like it's- <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna kill you <laughs> she's like hey what's up you guys <laughs> we're just gonna see a girl in a w- red dress walking around the stacks be like dude i'm scared stop i'm alone in my room right now oh by i'm the alone way- in jenny's room too <laughs> I had to resort back to my room this week because I literally looked up the podcast rooms here and they were booked legit all day. I was so confused. I don't know who was recording this many podcasts, but... And I had to resort to our friend Jenny's dorm room because mm-hmm. I didn't want to tell my roommate to leave and the podcast, like the people who run the podcast booths never freaking respond to my emails, so... Nice. <laughs> yep, yeah. All right, well, this was a long episode. I hope Holy you guys hell. enjoy this. Sarah, good luck editing. I love you, you so much. You're so Dude, last so. episode was legit 32 minutes long, and you were, like, suffering. So I'm yeah. really well, excited. Okay, so last episode required a lot of editing because there was a lot of background noise going on on my part. We mm-hmm. stopped a bunch of times. We restarted. There was a lot of stuttering. There were a lot of so's, <laughs> a lot of ums. <laughs> So we did a lot of editing last episode. Oh, hell. But we all know that Sarah edits way less than I do. Um, yeah. So expect so. like an hour long episode. But that's it's already fun. At, okay, right now this episode is at an um, hour and 26 minutes. So. <gasps> uh-huh. Oh uh-huh. my god. Wait, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. I know. All right, y'all. So we will see All right, see y'all. Thank week. you so much for listening. Next week, we're missing just talking over each person. other again. I know, I know, I know. Okay, listen. Next week, missing persons case. I will be telling Jessica the story. Um, and next week, okay, are we gonna be like home to record for this or what? Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes. Let's record while we're home together. We haven't I recorded know. like in the same room in so long, dude. It's gonna be bizarre. It's gonna be so bizarre. I'm but I'm so it, excited. Yeah. So excited to see you, sis. I know. I literally just saw you like the other week, but okay. Also, I'm like going to. Oh wait, oh, wait, 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 wait! Stop, stop, stop! I have to explain. Did I say earlier about the LA thing, with the tour that I'm going on? No. Oh my God! Okay, so listen up. My roommate and our friend Robin and I, uh, and my roommate's dad are going to LA. Um, legit. Is it not this weekend? The next weekend for spring break. We're leaving next Thursday, a week from now. Oh my God! Fuck. So. The most exciting thing I have ever heard, uh, we were looking at things to do in LA and there's a tour. It's a true crime tour. What? Through LA. I told you this. 
And we're going to go to where Sharon Tate, like, had her last meal, like, the Charles Manson murders. We're going to go see where the Black Dahlia happened. You did not tell me this. Yes, girl. I thought I did. No, that's so cool. I know. We're going to see, like, you where all these famous people all of this murdered. cool true crime shit without me, bro. Jessica, I'm going to be in LA. How can you okay, do wait, this to me? Okay, wait, wait. Stop the gas. There's also a place called the Museum of Death or something like that. And there's, like, the paintings that John Wayne Gacy did in prison there. And, like, Jeffrey Dahmer's letters from jail and just weird shit like that. Dude, you keep doing this shit without me, and then you called Matt your partner in crime. <laughs> How can you okay, do that? Okay, listen, I'm not good at Instagram caption, captions, so Janegs writes all of mine for me, just a fun fact. <laughs> and you called him that for me, so I'm not just even- Just because I was, like, spitballing, I didn't expect you to actually keep it in there, and I realized afterwards that I am your partner in crime because we literally <sighs> are partners in crime. Like, we talk about crime on a podcast. <sighs> We're partners in fucking crime. Should have thought about that before you sent me that that caption on you <laughs> you look so angry right now your face just went like blank <laughs> <laughs> i'm just um, tired and my butt hurts from this chair dude i'm so comfortable but i am literally falling asleep so i'm gonna go We're, um, so i'm gonna go good night guys it was so nice talking <laughs> to you <laughs> oh, xoxo uh, talk to you in the morning bb ew oh my god <laughs> i'm ending on that okay bye okay bye bye <laughs>